these are all tools that you can connect with that will track everything you spend. And most of them will even take a guess at categorizing those expenses. They do tend to get better over time as you train the AI. Um, and then if you use them long enough, the AI actually becomes the head of your household, takes over your family and enslaves <laughs> you. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Mark. Steve. Mark, the last time I saw you, uh, the last time we talked, we were on the road in Texas, and now we're half a continent away from one another but our fans are so delighted by the rich tones of our voices <laughs> in these studio quality microphones you think that was the first thought in everyone's they mind thought, i i have missed mark's growly lows oh. and his angelic highs what a relief they're saying yes. how are things in utah um it's been uh, a week of highs and lows, so as you know, we're kind of navigating summer. Um, we had an opportunity to, to look at acquiring an asset as a family that we're excited about, so oh. we're, we're proceeding in the due diligence process there. No, no oh. announcements yet, um, <laughs> and I've also been dealing with some unfortunate health stuff that i'm trying to to sort out so the highs and lows okay well congrats on the possible asset prayers up on the medical issues yeah how uh how is life upon re-entry to cincinnati well it's been it's been uh funny because after um um, I don't know, about 15 months of, of ghost town in the events industry. Um, things are going kaboom. Wow. And the, the humans are ready to meet again. So that's good and bad. It's good because there's work. It's bad because we are understaffed. And uh, I think in April and May, when people were starting to consider planning again we said yes to everything that was on offer and so uh, now we're a little over stretched a um, little over obligated hmm. so it's a busy it's a, it's a busy time but that's it I mean I guess that's good we're it's kind of like we're restarting the business so we're in the process of hiring as well and all that stuff well that sounds better than the alternative of 15 months later, we're still not that's, doing any business. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yes. And I'm glad we uh, took the road trip to Texas when we did, because there's, it looks that there will be no, no extended road trips in the, in the, in the foreseeable future. Except the one that we're going to be doing next month in Colorado. Oh, now we, we do have a, a, a business trip coming up. That, that, I didn't say there would be no travel. Okay. There's going to be a, a fun trip coming up in, in August, which will be great, which I'll say a couple of things about that, if I may. We're going to be in the Denver area. Uh, well, you want to look up those dates so you can tell people. Our, our kind of regular thing is if you're around and you'd like to get a coffee with us, we, we'd be into that. But another thing thing is um, my old friend Jeff who has been on the podcast before and with whom um, we'll be staying um, and so I presume uh, I'm guessing but I'd like to think that a, a podcast convo with Jeff might might appear because of the time we'll spend with him um, they're going to have a worship night at their house um, while we're there so I'll be leading worship at Jeff's house um, on what, I don't know, what, somewhere in this window of dates you're about to give. August 22nd um, so, through 28th. Okay, August 22 through 28 in Denver CO. Um, 
so if anybody's interested in either of those things, you should you should give us a jingle and we could either hang out or uh, do the worship night. Wow. May we have a hundred yeah. Abraham's wallet followers in Jeff's Oh, that'd be a spacious that'd living be a room. thrill. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad that you're still planning on that trip. But uh, I'm planning for total healing. But if I had to go today, you're my, the guy who would have to drive me around because my oh, eyes are, are not working so great right now. So, yeah. Well, driving you to Estes Park, there's worse There's worse things that I could do with the day than drive you to Estes Park. That's true. I, I did want to, to give a little shout out to the Lord at the start of this podcast. <laughs> hey, what's up, Lord? Sometimes... He takes care of his people in different ways, and he took care of me in an interesting way this week. Um, okay. We we had the memorial service for my wife's father, and I think we should do a whole podcast on that sometime because it was phenomenal and, and oh, really wow. cool just to, to reflect on honoring a father who, who was the turnaround man for a family. And oh wow! Just the profound impact it had on people who were believers, people who weren't believers, everyone who saw it kind of went. It, there was a lot of speechlessness after the service. Like I don't even know what mm. to to say about what I just saw. Um, so maybe we'll do that in a coming week. But uh, that's awesome. And so that's why we had a bunch of people gathered in Salt Lake City, and one of those people was my wife's aunt and uncle and they were staying at an airbnb and they received on the porch of this airbnb a delivery in a cold storage box of go on about four hundred dollars worth of organic gourmet foods and oh wow they thought well this is cool but we need to return it to its rightful owner so called the host of the airbnb who said yeah, we had a long-term tenant who is now back in Brazil or somewhere, out of the country, gone forever. Uh, so I guess just enjoy the food. So, you know, I wish it was February and we were Lodo febbing with that stuff, but <laughs> we got all these fancy treats for, for no money. That's great. They couldn't take it home on the plane, so to the parrot household it came. Oh, that's great. What, what's, what was the best thing in there? I have not even started to work my way through the box yet. I just finished a cherry almond smoothie. Um, oh. That's kind of like you dump it in the in the blender and add milk or, oh, or whatever you want. baby. Turns into a little treat. Um, Terrific. There's some acai bowls. It's yeah. that. It's, that's the, the tight. There was no Omaha steaks in this sucker. It was definitely... <laughs> kind of um it was on the vegan in, end of things yeah there there was a lot uh-huh. of instructions that said things like use whatever liquid you like but we recommend oat milk um, sure 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 but your power lifting uh protein needs is not going to allow you to have oat milk yeah unfortunately that's all shut down at the moment but who knows maybe maybe someday i'll return to it Oh, you you weren't you weren't exercising right before you came on this call? No. Oh, you had the you had the wet hair and smoothie in hand that I'm used to seeing after a workout. Yeah, I went for a small jog with my dog this morning and it's about 105 degrees in Salt Lake, so wet hair was when I finally got around to showering several hours after that <laughs> run. Um, I see. Because I needed to get on this podcast. I see. I try to look good for you. Okay, I appreciate that. Well, now, what are we talking about today? So, we're talking about something that we've talked about many times. Some people would say ad nauseum on this podcast. But those people can take a hike. Because we're going to keep talking about budgeting. uh, At least uh, once a quarter. That's the least we can do. Budgeting is so we important. Probably should. I think there's a there was a great man who was quoted to say, "If you become excellent at the skill of budgeting, you will have money left over every month." Uh, and that was from mm. an article that I wrote on Abraham's wallet. And oh, <laughs> you can. Do you know what it was called? Um, that one was from budgeting 
201, which was our, our slush budgeting series, the kickoff article. Loved it. But if you just go to the archives on abrahamswallet.com, and there's a whole bunch of stuff on budgeting, you can search the word budget. There's a lot of ways to find everything we've done. But it really feels like one of those core skills that we will never walk away from. So no. for the... For the believer, there's things that I think we have to return to and hear over and over. Um, I think that the, those money skills are the same. We need to continue to talk about some of the foundational stuff. And I don't care if you're 22 who just got married and have your first job or if you're 70 and thinking, well, why would I care about budgeting? We think it's relevant to everybody. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to put forward a couple of um, basic points about budgeting. We're going we're gonna to answer a couple of hot-button questions that we've gotten through uh, email as we go through this. But, uh, so let's talk about budgeting. The, I think the first um, point that I want to make is when you, when you consider uh, everything that comes into your life and everything that goes out, everything that you want to go out. Um, I think it's astounding to consider how many people simply don't know what's going on. They just don't know what's going on under their own roof. Um, I, I think that's, I, I, I could do an hour on, on this subject period, just simply knowing the state of, of, of affairs under your own roof. So, you know what? I would ask a dude, could you, could you evaluate how your marriage is doing right now? And some guys just don't even put any thought toward that. Could you tell me how your wife is doing right now? Independent of your relationship with her, how is she doing? Could you tell me how your children are doing? Could you tell me what their friendships are like? Could you tell me what their media intake looks like these days? Could you tell me how often they're on your on their phones? Or once they go upstairs, do you just shrug your shoulders and go, man, I just, I hope there's not too much pornography on their phones. I, do you know what's happening un, under your own roof? Well, that, that's a major part of your job is to know what's going on. So I'm gonna, I, I know that you made reference to this in the uh, series that you wrote um, on, the, on the website. But I'm going to just read from Proverbs 27, um, then, then let you talk. It says, this is verse 23 of Proverbs 27. This is a command. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. And then it goes on. Um, and at the end, it just says, there's going to be enough, there's going to be enough food. There's going to be enough food for your household, for the maintenance of your girls, meaning your servant girls. There's going to be enough. But do you, do you know what's going on under your roof? Know well the condition of your flocks. Proverbs 27, 23. Um, what do you, Mark, what do your, what do you say to people that don't know what's going on? I think it's really hard to know when it comes to, especially when it comes to money, what's going on. Um, you know who, who always knows what's going on when it comes to money are those for whom maybe they're dealing with some of the poverty stuff that we talked about um, a couple episodes back. So when there's, yeah. when there's not enough to pay the next bill, you're very keenly aware when a paycheck hits your bank account. Um, yep. I was talking to a guy last week who's a very successful entrepreneur and he talked about being on, on a first name basis with the people at his bank. Cause he, when he was starting his business, he had to go in and say, I'm so sorry that that check bounced. And then he, it was just, <laughs> it's just a timing thing. Sorry, I've got the money. And they were like, well, you were here three days ago. So, um, <laughs> so I, I think people for whom there's not enough, maybe, in this sense, they're at least aware of whether it's it's kind of a binary. Is is money yes or no? And so that's good. I think as you get more and more, it becomes really hard when when there is enough, when you're not likely to 
overdraw your account. Um, and that could be, that could be for a family that's very wealthy or a family that has just barely enough, but at the first of the month you got paid and there's money. So, you know, if you're, if you're operating in a sense of, I'm just going to look at the, the balance on my checking account, which is what I would say most Americans, that's their budgeting. <laughs> they look at is the checking money? account and they say, is there money? Yes, there is money, and so I can spend. Um, there is more money than the expense I'm about to incur. Right. Um, and right. They, they're in a they're in a store, and something looks good, and they just go, "Well, is there enough money for that?" Yeah. Now, if you gave my four year old a debit card and told her <laughs> to go buy things, she would. She's she's watched mom and dad, and even her sisters use the credit card to to make transactions. So she would go gather up some candy bars and whatever she was interested in, put it on the <laughs> counter and just stick the card in and say, I hope that's, that works. And so sure. I guess we'll give commendation to, to anybody who's at least going to say, is there enough for this purchase? Is there money? But that's, that's like level zero of, of uh. the skill. I think the, the hard part is to move from, is there enough money to where have I intended each of the expenses and income uh, streams in my life to go um, and manage that over big picture uh, periods so that I'm not just looking at what's right in front of my face, which again is something that is characteristic of poverty. And so just saying, you know, there's money today, let's, let's spend it. Um, that is, that is not how we want to operate. And similarly, we don't want to operate by saying just spend the bare minimum that you have to on everything because who knows what's coming. I'm sure you're going to read us some more proverbs about what happens when we start relying on wealth. But, uh, I think there's two ditches, like almost everything we talk about with money on the side of the budgeting road. One is not doing it at all and giving no thought to how you will plan out the the resources that you have and the other is thinking that you can control your anything with your budget um and each of each of us are going to have temptations toward one or the other of those ditches yeah as we'll get to we we want to have a plan for what we do but but because there are so many people who simply don't even know what's going on. They, they wouldn't know from month to month. What do we average on groceries? They wouldn't know the answer to that. Um, or even they worse, know. they would think they knew the answer to that. And it's wildly wrong. That <laughs> sure. that's actually that happens a lot. way more common than people who go, well, I don't know. We could spend $400 or $2,000. I don't know. Um, way more commonly is the family that confidently looks me in the eye and says, we spend $800 a month. And then we do what we're going to talk about in a second here and actually measure. And they go, we spend $1,800 a month on groceries. Right. So, right. This is why, because of that kind of uh, ability that we have to fool ourselves, this is why when you get on any weight loss plan, the first thing that you're to do is to get out a food diary and just track what am I actually eating? Not what do I think I eat because I give myself great. Oh, well, I just eat two, really two and a half meals a day is really what I eat. Well, what about all of the snacks that you, that you get uh, on the way here and there? And oh, it's hot outside. So I deserve ice cream and blah, blah, blah. To simply track what you're actually doing can be a huge eye-opener for people. So if you feel that you're in some sort of a squeeze um, financially, you feel like you're in a budgetary squeeze, I'm, I'm leading you right up to this water. What's the first thing that folks should do, Mark? Well, the, f- the first thing I always recommend is you need to use a tool that will just allow you to have a clear picture of what all the income and all the outflow in your family's financial life looks like. So I'm going to get flack because every time we've talked about any financial software, I get emails from people who are smarter than me that have concerns about security and all that. So I will say this is not a carte blanche recommendation for any particular software. There are risks by connecting your accounts to any software. 
Um, oh, brother. Do with that as you like. For me, the benefits have outweighed those risks, but you need to make your own decisions. Um, but what I usually recommend for folks I'm working with is we just need to connect all the accounts. So if you use credit cards and debit cards, that makes this very easy. You can connect those to a tool like Mint or Every Dollar or something called YNAB. You need a budget. These are all tools that you can connect with that will uh, track everything you spend. And most of them will even take a guess at categorizing those expenses. Now, those categories may or may not be remotely correct. Uh, they do tend to get better over time as you train the AI. Um, and then if you use them long enough, the AI actually becomes the head of your household, takes over your family, and enslaves you. <laughs> yes. That's another podcast, though. We're just talking about that really good period of time when it's smart <laughs> enough to be helpful to you, but hasn't yet um, put you in a cage in the attic. Yes. And you find, am I just generating electricity to keep the AI running? This doesn't seem right. <laughs> and then it starts telling you, you I'm sorry. I've been tracking your calories and you don't get any more food for the rest of the month. That's, that is a bummer. So um, doing that, I mean, it's funny that you mentioned budgeting, Stephen. This will help people understand who I am a little bit more probably. Um, I have been on health kicks where I really wanted to see some changes in, in health stuff. And food is obviously one of the biggest ways you can do that. And some people, when they start a particular diet or trying to eat a certain way, they're just going to struggle to to follow any rules. I get in trouble in my house because I have the food scale next to my plate. And if I'm going to have seconds of anything, I'm weighing it out. And finally, my wife will just say, I hate this. I would rather Please you put be that away. <laughs> tubby than be uh, ruining our family meals like this. So... <laughs> I'm a guy who actually loves budgeting, and so uh -huh. the ditch I tend to fall into, like uh. we talked about a second ago, is that thinking you can plan and strategize your way into controlling everything, which you can't. So uh -huh. know who you are there. Pro probably, probably not the problem of most of our listeners. That's no, probably, but I guarantee you, not a lot of people. There's some dudes listening who, like me, will run to their spreadsheet at the first sign of, of change and say, well, I need to figure this out. I'm going to, going to have a plan for all contingencies and right. they might have already turned this off because they thought I don't need any budgeting wisdom, but I, I think we're yep, going to say some things did. that they could use as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, anxiety that happens in families when people are in this position of not knowing what's going on. All they know is that they feel a financial pinch. They're not sure what the source is. They're not sure what they should be able to afford. They're not sure when they go to the grocery store, do we, do we have enough to get the salmon? I, I, I don't know. And so there's this nagging anxiety um, which which also leads to uh, relational uh, discomfort uh, between husbands and wives. Um, and so we, we would like that to be undercut with clarity. So so again, our first point is you got to know what's going on. Uh, know the condition of your flocks. So get a tool and, and start tracking things. Yeah, and don't feel like even you have to set a budget for those first months or two. Just right. plug it in and get a gross, here's how much you spent this month number. You know how much you make, probably. It's pretty easy to figure it out. And you might find that you're spending more than that. And that's why there's always stress. And we're so glad when grandma's Christmas check gets here and whatever. Um, but don't use the, I don't have a time or to learn a software or even to set up a budget. Don't use that as an excuse not to do step one. Yeah, you've got time, so we, we won't be entertaining that uh, that argument. If if you've been watching uh, any television in the last three months, have you seen any television shows in the last three months? Oh, you have? Okay, well, that means that you have uh, time to budget because that's much more important than a TV show in your family. But if you were going to just watch one TV show over three months, Stephen, which one would it have been? I don't know. When, when I need to 
kick back. I'm partial to 30 Rock reruns on Amazon Prime. That's about all I can say. All right. So if you're only going to watch one thing on TV, it needs to be Game 7 that we hope for of this Bucks Sun series. Moving on. <laughs> but it, it, if uh, you're watching a second show, then you should be spending time getting your budget straightened out. Okay. So know what's going on. So once you know what's going on, and as as Mark said, don't try to don't don't try to be fancy when you're tracking things. Just just do just live your life and just track everything, and then I know a month, two months later, you can go. Okay, here's what's going on. I've identified that we spend eighty dollars a week at the coffee shop. I didn't know that we were doing that. I thought it was just a an occasional pickup, but holy mackerel, there's some money leaking out of our, out of our fingers here. Once you know what's going on, which is our first point, the second thing that you need to do, and this is where the real work happens, you have to start making a plan. You have to make a plan. So Mark, I'll read us two verses about that. And then you can, you talk to us about how to actually make that plan. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. This, if, if you're struggling with your budget, I'd love for you to memorize that much. What a short, wonderful memory verse for you. I think it's nine words. The, plan of, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. That is plans. We got to have plans for there to be abundance. And Luke 14, this is Jesus talking. He's going to talk about your life, but his, the, the point that he makes here before he goes on to um, becoming a disciple of his Uh, stands on its own merits. He says, which of you deciding to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. (laughs) And everyone mocks him because he can't make a plan. You can't see what's coming and make a plan around it. So now that you know where things lie in your home, you need to make a plan that accounts for all sorts of things. Mark, what's the first thing that people should do if they want to make a plan for sending their money out on a monthly basis? I like to start with the uh, the micro brew category of the budget just because i think it's really a source of joy for a lot of people i think that's what a lot of dudes like to start with (laughs) this micro brew no no of course the the first step is going back to something we've talked about a lot on this podcast blog thing is is to create a family vision statement well, that is shocking to hear you say, because I would have thought the first thing would be my mortgage. Right. Why is family vision the first thing that I should consider if I'm going to make a plan? So if you have your highlighters handy, get ready, because I'm going to say something that I think is the thesis statement for this whole episode. I'm, I'm hoping that you don't dilute what I'm about to say with some really goofy music, because the last couple episodes... It's been a bit much, I'll just say. Oh, um, I think it's been a summer lark. Well, all right, I can I can receive that. But okay, go ahead. A budget is really just a funding plan for your family vision. So a well done budget is a plan for how you're going to fund that thing to which you feel like the Lord has called your family uniquely. We've talked about family vision statements and how they need to be unique to your family. I've, I've listened to you workshop family vision statements with families, Stephen, and they always have smiles on their faces and their hands are folded and they say, our vision is to love Jesus and love others. And you just right. give them the big red X and say, try again, suckers. But, yes, um, you know, once you're able to say this is, 
the unique group of people that God put together. This is the talents he put with them. And these are the assignments we feel like we have as a family. Then you can start to make decisions about how you would invest the money that he entrusts you with. Um, Let's just talk about this as far as it relates to the big expense items on your budget. A lot of people will say, well, we've got the fixed expenses, so let's put those down first. We have a mortgage, we have a student loan payment, and we have tuition for one of the kids, whatever it is. Um, Your mortgage is not actually fixed. Did you know that? You could go refinance your mortgage into a 30-year loan if you're at a 15-year loan and lower your payment. You know, it's a different episode, but if you haven't refinanced in the last couple (laughs) of years, get thee to a mortgage broker now if you're a homeowner because rates are Mm -hmm. real low. Um, But you could choose to refinance into a higher payment so that you could pay that house off sooner because you feel like God might call us to... Uh, a different location where we would want to have very low overhead in our lives uh, later on, and we might rent this home out. Um, You could could say, we feel like the Lord is calling us to acquire additional assets, and we're going to need cash, so we're going to put as little into this house as possible right now. Um, Those are all things about the vision you have for your family that could impact what most people have as the number one kind of budget item is their housing expense. And it could impact even if you're not about to move or anything. You just have a house and you're thinking, my mortgage is what it is. Well, you might change that based on your family vision. So that's where I really think the the family vision can completely drive the the budget. And it's not just a, a single sentence vision statement. When I say family vision, I'm talking a level down from that on some of the vision and the longer term goals that you have as goals. a family. Yeah, so that could look like, well, we want to be an evangelism family. That would that would mean, that was, let's say, you feel called to your neighborhood. So that's going to be important for us to have neighborhood families around our table every Saturday night. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do a barbecue on the back deck every Saturday night. Guess what? You need to put money against that. So you'll have to say no. Most people will have to say no to some things to make that happen. Or if you think we are raising, we just feel God has told us we're raising kids on mission and we want them to have missionary experiences. So once or twice a year, our family is going to go on mission trips to other cultures, whether they're stateside or in other countries, and we're going to serve. Well, you're going to have to plan for that. That's your family vision. So that should be part of your budget. Um, it could be that we're an adventure family. We want to include other people on adventures. Um, I, I know an adventure family, and they, they pull people into things like uh, climbing up Mount McKinley and went to Kilimanjaro last year, and they want the kids to bring friends because they want to use that opportunity of these sort of extreme circumstances to talk about their faith. And to help, you know, lead other teens to the Lord. Guess what they're going to have to do? They're going to have to budget for that. They're going to have to make room in the finances for that. So whatever it is that you think you're calling us, I'm I'm saying things that are very extroverted. You might feel that your calling is um, being a student and you have teaching gifts. Well, you know, if I was sitting with you, I would want to ask you, well, where are you learning? Where have you... Have you uh, um, enlisted in any courses lately that are expanding your thoughts? Are you giving time? Are you getting time away to write or whatever you're te- however you teach? Guess what those things take? Money. So enlist enrolling in courses should be part of your budget. Um, getting time away. If it's I'm go to a mount, mountain cabin for two weeks so that I can write quietly. That should be in your budget. <clears throat> Mark's point is that we have to consider family calling and vision before we start putting, ever start putting pen to paper and going, what's our mortgage and what's tuition and what's groceries? I hope that makes sense. Okay, so let's say that they have that, Mark. They, They know family vision. They're making allowances for it. 
and then they just kind of want to organize all of the detritus of the 58 things that are happening financially on a monthly basis in their home. How do they do that? Yeah, I I think the next step is to create something that's going to look a lot like a boring old budget document. And for me, again, the easiest way to do that is using a tool that combines the online easy automated tracking of all my expenses with the buckets I've created for those expenses to go into. So I know how much I'm spending and I don't have to I mean, God bless those of you who are listening who do this on an Excel sheet every month. It is doable. It just sounds like death to me to go and pull all your receipts and data entry. coordinate with your spouse. And, oh, honey, did you get every, did we miss one this month from the grocery store? <laughs> no, thank you. Um, but <laughs> if that's you and it's working, that's okay. Um, but you do need some way to consolidate all those expenses and divvy them out into buckets um, that correspond to categories which you have planned for. Kind of going back to, to what you just said, Stephen. Um, I have people all the time that show me their budget and say, is this, uh, is this a reasonable amount? Uh, and so groceries is a big one because we have all different housing expenses depending on where we live and how big our families are and things like that. But groceries are a much narrower band of how much people spend. Um, and all the time people say, well, what percentage am I in? Like, is this average? Am I mm-hmm. high or low? And I always say, I'll tell you compared to other families of five where I think you are in the spectrum, but that doesn't mean that you need to raise or lower your budget there. It's, it goes back to kind of what you were just talking about. You need to align it. So if, if you're a family of five, you might spend 400 bucks a month on groceries and you might spend 2000 bucks a month on groceries. Um, and I'm fine with that as a financial planner. If I'm working with your family, I just want whatever you're spending to be very intentional. This is why we're doing mm-hmm. it. We're, we're either spending very little cause we feel super called over here in a different area or we're spending very much because it's perfectly aligned with with our vision and this is one of the ways that we carry out that that assignment so anyways um how do you do it so what i do is i set up categories in mint one of the most important things is you have to budget for everything if this is going to work so you can't say i'm just going to budget for the big items because those are the groceries rent uh car and entertainment, whatever those big buckets are. But then there's all these other little things that I I always usually have some leftover. So it covers those things. Don't do that. Um, You know, I've talked about this every time we've talked about budgeting, but your car insurance, generally you pay for your car insurance once every six months or 12 months, but you need to have a budget for that. That's every month. And so if it's $1,200 a year, then you spend 100 bucks a month on car insurance. Otherwise, I haven't found a good way to track that and prepare for it as you earn money so that it's set aside and ready to go and you don't end up in hot water when the car insurance bill arrives. So I set up a budget that incorporates everything I'm going to spend on for the whole year and if it's one of those once a year or rare expenses, I dice it up into monthly amounts And then in Mint or other tools, there's a feature that says you want to roll over the budget every month. I will select that. So if my car insurance, to keep using that example, is $1,200 a year and I have a $100 a month budget and it's due in October, well, January, it's going to say you have $100 uh, out of $100 this month. Then February, it's going to say Now you have negative $100 out of a $100 budget. March, negative $200 because it's built up. And then come October, I'm going to spend $1,200 and it's going to have negative $1,000. Well, now I'm going to have pause. I'm going to be over by a couple hundred bucks until it ticks back up. And once every, there will be one month out of every 12 that it's exactly on budget. Um, Other months it'll have built up some and some months it'll be over and I don't really care depending on your cash situation if you start out at zero or if you start out at negative the full year's amount yeah you just need to keep a keep cash flow in mind when you do that so 
um, so that you don't bounce payments. Okay, you're setting up what you are planning to do on a monthly basis. And there's some negotiation that happens here because now you start thinking, well, if we could kill, if we could maybe knock that, that uh, coffee spending in half from 80 bucks a week to maybe, I don't know, 80 bucks a month. Now we've, now we've got some room. We've got some wiggle room. Cause that, could that mean that I could afford the gym membership now? And now you start arm wrestling with your spouse about what you're, what you're going to do with, with money and where the allotment goes. What, we have any thoughts on what do you say to people who get into disagreements about uh, where budget money goes? Yeah, that's not uncommon. Most couples are very quickly easy and easily able to identify who's the saver and who's the spender. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the hacks, this doesn't solve all problems for sure, but one of the things that we've always done, because there's just going to be areas where you don't agree, like, and you don't want the budget to become a nanny document for your spouse that you're, if you're the saver, whichever one of of the two in the couple is the saver, they're going to be tempted to tap the spender on the shoulder and be like, I see that you spent $18 at Starbucks this week. And Uh, that means you only have $2 left this month because we have a $20 Starbucks budget uh, and they're going to not like that. Um, no. That being said, if you have if you're the spender, um, maybe you shouldn't spend three times the budget for Starbucks this month. So um, <laughs> we'll get to execution in a second. But one of the things we do is always recommend the allocation of some portion of the budget to be funny money. We call it so. Each person gets their funny money budget, and they get to spend it on whatever the heck they want. Um, my wife and I have this. We have a relatively big budget number, and we have 50 bucks a month of funny money. So it doesn't have to be a lot of money. It could be $20 or it could yeah. be $200. It just depends on what you, you've you got. And my wife likes to spend hers every month. She's going to go out to coffee with friends and do things like that. That's what she does. <laughs> um, she's not really, I wouldn't char- characterize her as a spender. She just says, well, that's what this money is for. Um, me, I like to hoard it until I've got a thousand bucks piled up and then go buy ah. something that I won't like as much in two weeks. Um, and so Ugh. it's kind of fun cause we, we just say no matter what, that's fully at your own discretion that has alleviated some of the little nitpicks around the edges. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. If, if it's bigger stuff, one person wants to, um, buy a lake house and the other person wants to save for college then i think there's there's a kind of bigger process to be taken on and obviously the budget is your income and the portion of it that you're setting aside for different things will have impacts on where you end up in the long term financially and i don't think this was something we really thought we were going to get into but this is where you can really benefit from either doing it yourself or contracting with someone who does financial planning uh, to go out and say, can you help us project where we're headed based on the budget that we're thinking about? And a good financial planner can also show you, well, let's talk about the difference if you bought the lake house versus put that money in college savings and how that looks in the long term. Maybe you could send all the kids to college on cash flow just because it looks like things are going well in career and you don't need to sock money away quite as as much as you thought or maybe buying some big asset that you're going to use mostly for consumption harpoons your plans Um, that usually unless you're just completely on different pages with your spouse i found that getting more data around that trade-off can be really helpful because you're no longer saying well i want this and you want that you're saying i we as a couple understand the implications of where we put our money today um, and we can, we can really under, make that decision as a team, uh, based on where we would like to be in 15 or 20 years. As they're building, if somebody's building a budget for the first time and they're trying to find a place for everything, do you have any thumbnail recommendations for, um, how much of that monthly budget should be in savings or investing? Um, 
I always tell folks if it's not 10% in savings, it's too little, almost always, unless you're in retirement um, or, or in the, the phase of life where you're pulling from assets. Uh, you know, you could have built up right. You're if you've already built the assets and they're, they're funding your family now, you don't necessarily need to keep saving, although generally the type of person who builds income-producing assets will continue to accumulate income-producing assets with the (laughs) income from those assets. Yeah. Um, But um, that number can be wildly too low for some people. So uh, that's that's one that I always give the the rule of thumb. But if you go to your HR onboarding when they're telling you about your 401k plan and saying, you know, you can get a match for the first 5%, and they'll pat you on the back if you're saving 5%. Yeah. I don't have I haven't yet seen anyone for whom 5% is enough of, of yeah. savings. Um, so those are rules of thumb. I'm sure that there's someone listening to this podcast who's an exception, but that that's kind of All right. where I start. So we've we've done the Can I interject one more thing? Yeah. The other really really important budget uh, rule of thumb is you must budget to zero. Um, you would be surprised, Stephen, at the amount of people who I send off to do some budgeting homework <laughs> and they trot back to me with their budget and they're proud of it. We've got all the categories. We're in alignment. It's a funding plan for our family vision. And I go, okay, $6,000 of income. And then when we add up all these expenses, it's $6,500. Um, this is, this is, but Not they're like good. so excited about it because we think that we could just totally live the way we want to on $6,500 a month. It's going to be great. So you, you have to budget to zero and that can go either way. That means if you if you make $6,000 a month, make sure you've allocated $6,000 a month to different things. Don't right. allocate 5000 and say, and right. every month we have 1000 left over. Um, That's bad. Because you'll blow that. Um, and if you make $6,000 a month, don't allocate $7,000 a month because that's yeah. pretend. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so I'll, I'll squeeze this question in before we move on, which is you're talking about budgeting to zero. What do people do if they live on commission and they have unpredictable income or they live in off profits of a shop and they don't know what the popsicle cart is going to bring in this month? I have to refer people because that's a longer conversation to our slush budgeting series Mm -hmm. uh, that goes into a lot of how do you budget for the core stuff, uh, maybe whatever your base salary is. There are people listening who have no base salary. They might be, I don't know, event planners, where sometimes there's 15 months of no income and other times it's boomtown. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I think there's a few ways to handle that. Um, if you say are a salesperson and you make a base commi- a base salary and commission, some people will say we budget on our base salary, but we've already pre-allocated how we will use as the commissions come in. Mm-hmm. Um, that works great if your commissions can be say another 25 or 30 percent um, of your income. But if if your commissions are 85 percent of your income. Right. It usually doesn't work unless you're just balling out and making a whole lot of money uh, and don't want to live on it. Um, so I think that that's where the rollover budgets become really helpful is that you can kind of see where you're at, even though you know the expenses and the income are not going to flow evenly, but we, we have a pretty good estimate of where we'll be throughout the year. And I th- most of the time see people who have really variable income wanting to budget really conservatively uh, on mm-hmm. that income. So that's just a a best practice because if you're if you're super optimistic and you think I'm going to make twice as much this year as last, but you don't really have a great reason to believe that, you can get yourself into some budgeting trouble. Yeah, I, I know entrepreneurs who use well. We don't know what the business will make. And they use that as an excuse to fly by the seat of their pants. Um, And the fact is, if you do the first step of knowing what's going on, if you'll just do that repeatedly, even in uncertainty, as the months go by, 
you're going to find that your predicting powers increase dramatically because you just know what's going on. You know, oh, we have a restaurant. We know that it's cyclical. We know that what happens in um, November and December isn't, that's not what things are going to look like in February, March. We just know that. And so we can start to do that rollover, sort of an annual kind of a budgeting. So those are, those are good thoughts. Um, so, okay, you, you know what's going on. That was the first thing. Secondly, you have a plan. You've done the work to, to budget to zero. You've got all your categories. You kind of know, okay, here's the game plan. I've even got a little, some funny money for a spouse. We're, we're in good shape here. And here comes the big one, everybody. And that is execute. You have to execute faithfully or none, nothing that we've talked about means anything if you can't execute faithfully. And you have to actually live in submission. You're living in submission to that which you and your spouse have agreed upon, and you're living in submission to what you say, this is how I think God is leading us. So I, I love that in, in the the most ex, um, explicit passage that describes the relationship between husbands and wives in Ephesians 5, it begins with the sentence, be in submission to one another for the sake of Christ. And so that just kind of puts a big old label on the whole thing, that we're all walking in submission under Christ as Lord, and we're going to have to submit ourselves. So that kind of happens with a budget is that we're just going to have to decide that we live in submission. Um, I'm, I'm not coming out of Proverbs. I'm coming out of first Corinthians four, two, and it says it is required of stewards that they be, that they be found trustworthy. It's required of stewards that they be found trustworthy and trustworthiness isn't something that you put on your resume or that you claim about yourself. Trustworthiness is something that's proven over time. Trust is built over time. And so you have to prove yourself trustworthy, which is, am I going to submit myself to this plan that we've made? And you might have a, you might have a plan if, if, if you're newly married and you, there's this budgeting thing is new to you. You might just put it on the calendar. We're going to have a week, a getaway weekend in six months, and we're going to come back and review this, and we're going to see what are our pain points, how can we adjust it. But until we hit that six-month mark, we're submitting. Even if it's painful, we're going to submit to it. Even if it's killing us to not be able to go buy shoes every time it comes into our brain, because that's what we used to do when we were single but now we've got a vision and we're headed somewhere. So the execute faithfully part is so important. Mark, it uh, might be easier for you than for others. But when you see people struggling with submitting to the thing that they've said they would do, what do you tell them? I think when people are having a hard time submitting to their budget, uh, my best play is to bring them back to kind of zoom them out on the bigger picture because again most folks by the time I'm working with them get pretty jazzed up about the family vision yes. goals yes um but it's easy to i mean it's like anything i get really jazzed up about you know hitting a 600 pound deadlift or looking <laughs> looking great uh for the summertime but in the moment um, I'm very susceptible to the honeycomb ice cream with cinnamon oatmeal cookie oh. sandwich that I ate all of this last weekend. Um, Wait, where, where did you get that? That was the post memorial service treat that was offered was this, this food truck that did honeycomb uh, ice cream. Steven, it was it was like they had taken butter and mixed in all the sugar it would hold and then frozen it. It was so delicious with crunchies in it. But there was a food truck sitting outside of a memorial service. There was ice cream, artisan ice cream sandwiches and and a Angus beef sliders, two different food trucks. Who who masterminded this? The widow? Yeah, my mother-in-law who Oh my word. She did a great job. Everything wow. about it was wonderful. But unbelievable. 
Uh, okay, sorry. Well, that's uh, my just getting my head around the honeycomb ice cream. So you're tempted sometimes to go for the honeycomb ice cream. Yeah. So no matter how much you're bought into the to the goal, it's easy to go. Well, this won't really matter. I'm going to do this. And of course, as we know with dieting or budgeting or anything, those small splurges lead up to a totally busted plan that doesn't mm. get you where you want to go. So the best thing I've figured out how to do is just, you know, on a family that maybe they're not that into the vision stuff and we just want, you can still show somebody, hey, if you make all these compromises on your budget, here's where you're headed in terms of just the wealth you will manage someday. Yes. And some people that's as far as I can get, um, which is fine. Others are really bought into their vision and goals. And I can say, here are the ones that will become impossible if you guys aren't abiding by this budget. And once in a while, a family looks at me and goes, yeah, you know what? We'll punt that one because we really do enjoy going out for drinks as a couple sure, once sure. a week. And I say, wins all around. That's fine. The, yep. the budget is not meant, again, to be your document that says you can't do things. It just needs to be something you're very intentional about. That's great. So if you're finding that you're shaving a little bit close to the bone on budgeting, as Mark's saying there at the end, it's always helpful to keep a long view on everything. Keep a long view on the character that's being produced in you. Keep a long view on what discipline will do for you and your generations. Keep a long view on what will happen to your money over time. Um, and even if things are close and you f feel like, gosh, we're only putting, we're, we're just really squeezed right now. We're in, we're in crazy circumstances and we're just putting a hundred bucks aside a month for savings. It's just all we can do. And it just feels so defeating. It just doesn't feel like it's accomplishing anything. Uh, I would just remind you, this is one of our favorite verses around here. Proverbs 13, 11, wealth gained hastily will dwindle. That is people who win lottos. They don't hold on to that wealth. It just doesn't happen. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. That's God's plan. I mean, if, if, you, can fig, if you can pick a winning uh, um, stock that's going to go 10x this year, knock yourself out. If you, know what, if, you, if you have the magical ability to pick that thing, go for it. That's just not God's standard way of building wealth. What he wants you to do is to build it little by little, incrementally, yes, even over generations, he wants wealth to build. And so um, please don't demean um, the, little, the little wins that you have, the little gains that you have, getting on top of your budget, knowing what's happening in your home, executing faithfully month to month to month. You know, if, if, if you get that first month where you actually hit your numbers and you stayed inside everything you said you would, by golly, give your wife a kiss on the lips, get, get, get her a cocktail, go pick her some fresh flowers, do something to celebrate what, what's going on because these are precedent setting. When you, when you submit yourself to a budget, you set a precedent uh, not only in your home but in your heart. And these are significant things. So... Um, for people who are struggling with budgets, that, that's probably, I'm assuming that's who's made it this far, is people who are struggling with budgets and need the wisdom that, that uh, we're offering and that the Bible offers on budgets. I just bless you guys to, to stay faithful and, and don't demean the day of small wins. Um, it mean, it's meaningful. It means something to, to the Lord who's watching. It means something to your future generations that you are, you are building a battery uh, of choosing against yourself and not making impulsive decisions, but choosing um, to, to see everything from a wide angle lens and see everything that's going on. Anyways, we, we, uh, we sympathize with you. We're cheering for you and we want to help you every way we can. That's right. So keep in mind the, the two highlights that I would just put in your brains as you go. Number one, if you become good at budgeting, no matter what your income level is, you will have extra money to work with. <laughs> That's true. That's and true. Number two, 
your budget should always be a funding plan for your family vision and not a list of no-nos and a hand-slapping tool. That's great. So that if you're doing your vision, if you're doing your budget at the end of the month, you think we are executing on family vision. This is why we exist and our money is going to serve why God made us. It's very exciting. That's right. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mark, for your time. And uh, I bless everybody that's listening. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.